Amazing band for leading you in that extended time of worship. Because I was preaching over in the sanctuary. This is my fourth sermon of the day, so I hope my voice will carry through. So, But I should have this message pretty well down by now, so... Um, Hopefully it'll, it'll make sense. Hey, I want to say a couple things real quick. Just welcome to those who are watching us online. We know a lot of people traveling this weekend, so we're glad that you're joining us, and um, we look forward to seeing you all soon. And if you're watching us online, you haven't come here physically yet, we would love for you to come and be part of the service um, as we're moving into December. Um, one other thing I want to mention, it was in the announcements, but it's always good for a reminder. Our Caring Christmas gifts are due back next week, so bring them to the services. There'll be people in the lobby here to help you and direct you when you bring them um, next Sunday. 250 kids in our community are being cared for this Christmas, so I want to say thank you to you guys for being a part of that. So... Um, we're in this weird place between uh, oftentimes the weekend after Thanksgiving starts the season that we call Advent, which is, it's basically the season leading up to Christmas. It's the anticipation. It's the building up. It's the, it's the, uh, all the great songs and, and look these passages out of uh, like the, the prophet Isaiah and others who have, who have preached about the coming Jesus. But for this year, Advent doesn't officially start until next week, but we were like, no, no, we're going to go ahead and do it. It's time. Who's been listening to Christmas music already? Okay. Um, usually I have this deal and it's like the, you know, the day after Thanksgiving, I'll, I'll start listening. But remember like a week and a half ago when it, got, it was actually kind of cold in Valdosta? I was like, no, got to do it. I got to go ahead and start and got to start listening to it. Justin said since October he's been listening, but... Um, some of you are year-round Christmas people. You're special. Um, but it's that time of year. So what I want to do and what we're going to do in this series and our jumping off point, our key, our foundation verse for this four-week series is found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And Isaiah was a prophet, and Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, he made this prophecy about the coming Savior of the world, the coming Messiah, the King. And this is what he says in verse 6 of chapter 9. For a child is born to us, we saw it in the video, a son is given to us, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. And he lists four different titles for this coming Messiah, this coming King. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so this morning, I want to take a couple of minutes, and I focus in on this first title that Isaiah gives him. And that is the wonderful counselor. Now, the Hebrew word that Isaiah used to say wonderful counselor, the word for wonderful that he used was pele, which means, actually, it, we translate it into English wonderful, but what pele means in, in Hebrew is that it, there are no words. There are no words to describe it. That this counselor that's coming is so great that there are no words in our lexicon. There's nothing that we could say to truly describe him. So he, in English, we said wonderful, which is pretty good. But in this season, in this Advent season, as we lead up to Christmas, you're going to hear this word wonderful come up a lot. It's the most wonderful time of the year. You're going to hear this word come up. And I want you to think back to this, Pele. There are no words to describe this is how Isaiah listed him. So Pele, no words to describe the counselor. 
And you know, it's funny because when we talk about counseling, you know, several weeks ago, we, I, I shared with you about uh, mental illness and about, you know, anxiety and depression and, and, and the stigma that comes with that and, and how some people, um, you know, especially Christians, don't, don't really know how to understand that or, or respond to that or even seek help for that. You know, and I think sometimes with the word counseling, there's people go, you know, I'm pretty good. You know, counseling is for people that are weak. Counseling is for people that need help. So, and I'm good. I don't need help. I'm not weak. I'm pretty put together. I know how to handle my stress. I, I've got my own coping mechanisms to deal with it. So I'm good. I don't need counseling. And I wonder then, and it's just kind of a side thought, is that I wonder if for Christians, whenever we talk about, well, you know, Jesus is the wonderful counselor... I wonder if some people are kind of like, yeah, okay, that's great and all, but can you go ahead and move on? Like, can we go ahead and go to week two? Because, you know, I don't really need a counselor, and so I don't really need this. And, and I just wonder if Jesus being the wonderful, there are no words to describe counselor, I wonder if some people are like, meh, don't really need him. Well, I hope after our time together this morning, you will realize that you, in fact, do. Um, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 5. He was having a conversation. He was doing his ministry. People were asking him questions. And he responded about, you know, what was his purpose for being here? Why was he here? And this is what he says in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. And it's kind of a familiar passage. You've, You've heard it before, most likely. But think about it in regard to Jesus being the wonderful counselor and think about it in regard to some people thinking, "Eh, I don't really need, I don't really need help. I don't need, I don't need a counselor. I don't need that. Here's what Jesus said in verse 31 of Luke 5. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Some of you are going, see, exactly. I don't need it. This is what he said in verse 32. I have come to call those, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Notice he didn't say, I haven't come, I I don't need to deal with the righteous people. He just said, I have not come to call those who think they're righteous. That means they just think they're okay, who just think they don't need any help. That's what he says. And then he goes on to say, but those, he's come to call those who know they are sinners and need to repent. You see the difference there? See, there's people, Jesus is saying, who think, I'm good. I don't need any help. I'm fine. Everything's great. I'm good. I, you know what? I, I, um, I haven't murdered anybody, and I pay most of my taxes, and so I think I'm good. I'm good. I'm ri- I'm ri- is that righteous? I think that's good. Me and God are good because of that. Jesus said, I didn't come for people who think they're good. I've come for people who know they need deliverance. So I want to ask you uh, two questions this morning. And in order for you to really be able to... You're not going to get the second question unless you can answer the first question, yes. And I know for some of you, it's going to be easier for you to answer the first question, yes, than others of you. And I just want to say, that's okay. That's cool. That's okay with God. It's okay to not be able to just immediately respond to to him sometimes. Some of us, we have to pray about it. We have to work on it. We have to think about it. We have to ponder it. And God is, is good with us in that. But I'm telling you, at some point, each and every one of us, we've got to get to a place where we can answer yes to the first question. And for some of you, you'll be able to do that straight away this morning. And others of you, it might take a little while. 
Here's the first question. Are you sick? Are you sick? You might, as Jesus said, not realize you're sick. You might think, no, I'm good. I'm good. But I want to offer you a couple of symptoms this morning to, de- to define, to describe what I mean by being sick. Some symptoms of sickness. You ready? You're not ready, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you complain a lot? I told you you weren't ready. Do you complain a lot? Like, it just seems like they, it, you just, like, you just, there's always, a, like, things are not, why couldn't it be better? Why didn't you do that better? What's wrong with that? Why didn't this work out? Why did, you just find that there's, you complain a lot. Folks, that's a symptom of a sickness. Are you never satisfied? Do you find that like how people, how people do things or how they carry, uh, follow through or how they don't follow through or, you know, even like the way they made your hamburger order and they handed it out through the window and stuck it in your car. Like you just find you're never satisfied. Folks, that's a symptom of a sickness. You know, judgmental, judgmental. We just, we look upon other people and, and we observe how they are and who they are and what they are and we pass judgment upon them. Which leads to another symptom of a sickness, which is self-righteousness. What about resentment? Do you have a lot of resentment built up within you? I mean, I'm talking like some serious stuff. Like there's been some stuff that's gone down and it has built up some resentment in your life. But it's just always there, like always there. Folks, that is a sickness. And there's a close cousin to resentment and his name is bitterness. And And it kind of just taints everything how you respond and how you think and, and how you process your thoughts because there's bitterness in there. Folks, these are symptoms of sickness. Are you sick? Do you, do you, uh, you look on what other people have, maybe especially this time of year, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays and, and family and things, and, and you don't have one, or the one you had is broken and fallen apart, and you look at others, you're like, why do they have it and I don't have it, and I'm jealous and I'm angry and I'm mad. Are you sick? Do pride or anger just kind of, again, just kind of simmer right there under the surface all the time? Just at any moment, you're, you're ready. Your anger's ready to show. Gossip? I'll just take a drink of water while you think about that one. <laughs> a feeling of superiority over other people. I am better than them. All sorts of reasons, but oh, I'm so much better. Folks, these are symptoms of sickness. And Jesus said he didn't come for those who think they are just fine. He came for those who know they need deliverance from that sin. They know it. They know it. Good news. There is a wonderful pele 
There are no words to describe counselor who comes along and his name is Jesus and he comes for those who admit they are sick. Yep, I'm sick. Are you sick? Now here's the second question. Like I said, some of you are like, yeah, I'm with you, Shannon. You got a yes, affirmative. Some of you are going, I don't know. Just going to pray that this question stays with you until you're able to answer it. The second question, as I said, is not my question. I didn't write it. Jesus spoke it. And it's found in John chapter 5. And in this, um, this is my, if I could only preach on one passage for the rest of my life, I would preach on John chapter 5, uh, almost the whole chapter, a good chunk of the, the first part of the half of the chapter. It's just such an amazing exchange that I find with Jesus. I remember the first time I read it, I was sitting in an airport uh, traveling somewhere, I don't know, and I, I came across it, and I was a fairly new believer, and I was just like, this is amazing. This is the question. This is what it's all hinged upon. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus engages us. This is why he walked among us. This is why 700 years before he came, Isaiah said he's coming. This is the reason. The conversation that we're about to read that Jesus has with someone who is sick is phenomenal. And he asks it of you and me today as well. Are you sick? Beginning in verse 1. Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. That's where we get our word holiday. If you didn't know that, there you go. A little info for you today. Jesus returned for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. So imagine a, a, a pool and a, a deck and like a covered, covered decks all around it. And on that, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now, here's the question. This is the question Jesus asks. This is what it's all about. This is the pivot point, in my opinion, in all of the gospel. When Jesus saw him, the paralyzed man, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? You see why it's important now to answer if you're sick or not? Because if you're feeling great and someone comes up and they're like, hey, you want to get well? You're like, what do I need to get well for? I'm fine. Jesus said, I didn't come for people who think they're fine. I came for people who realize they are sick and in need of a savior. Do you want to get well? That's the question. This is it. You ever wonder how you might share the gospel with somebody? You don't know where to go. You don't know how to do it. John chapter 5, folks. Walk through that account. Share that with someone. And at the end of it, look that person in the eye and say, I knew I was sick and I needed Jesus to help me be well. Are you sick? 
Do you want to be well? Oh my goodness, it's powerful. It's so powerful. And here's what I think is, uh, I mean, you think about it. Isn't that a strange question for Jesus to ask of someone who's been lying by the pool, obviously lame, paralyzed something. He gets carried in every day on a mat by, by some friends, by some relatives who probably, I mean, after 38 years, you probably start to resent that stuff. I mean, so they're sick because he's sick because yeah, of resentment and the bitterness, right? And so there's all this sickness going on and he's there. Isn't that a weird question for Jesus to come up and go, do you want to get well? It's kind of like, yeah, I want to get well. But isn't it interesting that he says this? And, and it's, it's not foolish. He's not playing a trick on the guy. He's not messing with him. I believe it was important for this man to hear Jesus ask the question and then for him to respond. Are you sick? Would you like to get well? Two very, very powerful questions. Now, here's the most interesting part in this exchange, in my opinion. And I honestly think this is why a lot of people either admit they're sick, but then don't do anything about it, or, or are afraid to admit they're sick. And, and I'm, not, I'm not like licensed or schooled in this, you know, anything like that. It's just, it's just what I've noticed. I think a lot of people don't answer yes to wanting to get well because their sickness has become their identity. They've allowed the, the things that have gone on in their life, whether of their own doing or someone else's doing, to become their identity. This is who I am. I'm this way because I have been bitter for this many years. I will never forgive them. Folks, that's a sickness. And it'll become who you are. So that when you hear somebody, Jesus, say, do you want to get well? Who would you be otherwise? Who would you be if you said yes to that? What would your life become? We've built our lives on these things. Jesus doesn't mess around with this. Jesus doesn't, here's what we don't read in John chapter 5. Here's what we don't read uh, in, you know, in verse 6. Verse 6 is different than the, what we just read. What we don't read is Jesus seeing the man who had been lying there for almost four decades, and he doesn't come up to the man and go, my goodness, I am so sorry that you are in this condition. What medications are you taking? Is that mat comfortable? You know, I could probably call a guy who makes mats and I could probably get you a much nicer, more comfortable mat for you to sit on. I mean, I could get one with handles so that when your friends and your relatives um, are toting you here and back and forth every day, it would be a lot easier on them. You know what, I'm gonna make some calls. That's what I'm gonna do. Jesus, we don't see him saying this. He's not like, hey, uh, do you have mat sores? I've got an ointment for that. Let me, let me get it to you. And you know what? There's this new trial drug out. You know, everyone, who knows? But let's try it. It's got some crazy side effects. But let's see if it will help you in your four-decade-long sickness. Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus cuts right to the point. He goes right to it. 
He doesn't ask him how. He doesn't ask him why. He doesn't ask him when. He doesn't ask him where. He doesn't ask him any of those things. He looks at that man who is sick and he says, do you want to get well? And he does it with great compassion and love for that person. He doesn't gloss over all that stuff because he doesn't, doesn't care. No, here's the deal, folks. Jesus already knows. Jesus knows. He, he doesn't need an update. In your sickness right now, if you've been, if you've been you know, awake enough and aware enough to actually admit you've got some, in your sickness right now, you know what? Jesus is not waiting for a report from you. He is not waiting for the labs to come back or the scans so he can read them. He's not waiting to hear from another doctor and to get a second opinion. Jesus knows why we are sick. That's not the important part. He asks us, do you want to get well? And see, for a lot of us, we've allowed it to be about the why. This is why I feel this way. This is why I am this way in relationships. This is why I respond like this. This is why I retreat like this. This is why I lash out like this. This is why Jesus says, but do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I mean, imagine, folks, if we were to walk into this Advent season, this Christmas season, this year, as people who say, you know what? Oh, my goodness, I'm sick. I need one who will deliver me and who will make me well. And I want to walk in that wellness. Because let's be clear in case any of us are going, now, is she talking to Christians or is she talking to people who are not yet Christians? I'm talking to everybody. The, the running down the aisle that one time or the going through the confirmation class or being at the retreat and doing the one thing is absolutely wonderful. But folks, this is a daily, daily journey of saying, good morning, Lord, I'm sick. And I would like you to make me well today. Do you want to get well? That's the question. And so what are the action steps? What do we do with this? Well, we've got to admit we're sick. And then the second part is we need to be able to answer Jesus honestly. You know, for some of us, we're going, you know what? I want to be made well, but I've gotten so used to being here on this mat and being in this place and being in this condition. I don't know what, what wellness looks like. Well, let me just tell you, who your wonderful counselor is. He's the one who brings light to darkness. Do you want to get well? He's the one that brings hope to hopelessness. Do you want to get well? He's the one that, that brings strength to our weaknesses. Do you want to get well? And he brings boldness to our fears, our uncertainty of what life away from that mat will look like. Do you want to get well? There's a cliffhanger 
never done this before in a message, so we'll see how it goes. In verse 7 of John chapter 5. Go read it later. Find out what happens and how the man responds to Jesus. That's one way to make you go read your Bible. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, you have, uh, you have, you have put me through the ringer <laughs> in preparing this message. Um, and you've put me through the ringer in delivering it four times today. Because every single time I have been convicted. And so, God, I would just ask that for all of us here today.